being a victim is disempowering. It takes your power away because you're externalizing the most important part of you, which is your power to choose. And you're saying that somebody else is choosing my experience of life and I'm allowing it. Being a dad is one of the most rewarding roles we will ever have in our lives, but also can be one of the most overwhelming. Where you find yourself facing the pressures of juggling the demands of family, career, and life. This show features industry experts in mental health, social services, and personal development, along with resilient dad role models, whose stories of overcoming the challenges of parenting will create a new vision for the life you and your kids deserve. I'm your host, Pat Domenico. And this is The Resilient Dad Show. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Resilient Dad Show. I'm your host, Pat Domenico, and today we have the pleasure of having Robert White. Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Pat. I'm looking forward to uh, being with you and hopefully some new friends in Australia. Yeah, um, I appreciate your time and and the wisdom that you're going to share with us. Um, for everyone, you know, Robert is a speaker, author, and executive mentor, um, you know, who's recognized as an expert on mastering executive challenges. Um, you know, he has a broad experience of over 23 years um, abroad, uh, you know, that's including uh, founding and leading three high-impact experiential leadership development companies, um, and is the author of Living an Extraordinary Life and is leading his organization, The Extraordinary People. So, Robert... Could you tell us a bit more about yourself, um, you know, in terms of what a bit, a bit about your upbringing and also what's led you to, um, you know, the personal development um, and teaching people the, uh, you know, human potential movement? Well, I'm old enough for that to be a long story, but I'll try to do the abridged <laughs> version, the condensed version of that. Uh, when I was in my late 20s, I uh, had a small business. I was failing. And uh, I had been married and divorced and felt really guilty about that divorce. And, uh, and also, when I was 19, 21, and 23, I had heart attacks. And I had one result of that is I had daily chest pain, which I lied about, and, uh, and been told that I would not live past 35, that, that it was incurable. And uh, uh, so my life was a mess. And a friend of mine who was in a similar business ran off. Uh, I was living in the mid Middle West part of America uh, in the state of Wisconsin. And uh, my friend went out to California and did one of the early human potential movement seminars, a company called Mind Dynamics. Uh, and uh, this guy, we had similar businesses. He was struggling in his marriage. I was aware of that. And he had an interesting physical affliction. He had what they call adult onset acne. You know, as teenagers, we get a few pimples, you know, the hormones are raging and, uh, and it's the end of the world, but actually the world doesn't end in a couple of years, they're gone. Well, if you get it as an adult, it doesn't go away, uh, at least at that time. And he really struggled with it. He did all these crazy treatments. One of them, the, they ground off most of his facial skin and then wow. turned his face so red, it looked like the butt of one of those monkeys at the zoo uh, <laughs> with the bright red butts. And, you know, for a sales guy, that's, that's a problem. Your appearance matters uh, somewhat. Uh, 
And uh, uh, so he had tried all kinds of creams and potions and treatments and really struggled with it. So within, he came back, he said, you've got to go do this seminar. And I said, tell me about it. And he told me about it. I said, no, no way. That's those crazy California people. And uh, for three months, I just watched him mostly. I watched his business get better. I watched his marriage get better. And I watched his face cleared up. And I couldn't argue with the reality in front of me. So I kind of reluctantly went to the training. And it's a cliche, Pat, all these years later, it just sounds like a, like a, this couldn't be true. But my life changed in that four days. And uh, when I came out, my business tripled in size the first year. It went up 10 times the second year. And this wow. is for a seminar that didn't say one word about money or business. But what happened for me was that I got this, what sounds like just simple words, I got that taking personal responsibility for my life, all of my life and my responses to all of the things that were happening in my life, that that changed everything for me. Now, obviously, I lived longer than 35. I've more than doubled it now. And uh, uh, a month after the training, the uh, chest pain went away. I mean, literally woke up one morning and realized I didn't have it. Uh, I did a little ceremony by Lake Michigan's one of the larger uh, uh, internal lakes in America. I, I went down to the shore and polluted the lake. I threw away all, all the medicines they were giving me. And, uh, you know, kind of symbolic. <laughs> uh, one of my friends called it a Rocky moment. You know, where in that movie Rocky, he runs up the steps and celebrates his fitness and all that. Well, yeah. mine was standing on the shore of Lake Michigan, throwing the drugs in the water and polluting Lake Michigan. Uh, and it just changed everything for me. And, and uh, I eventually sold the little sales business to the company that provided my product. And they assigned me to run the New York region for their company. So I went from working with 31 salespeople to working with 850. And that meant I couldn't interview everybody every week, which was my previous success was built on that. Uh, so I started doing weekend seminars and I started bringing the Mind Dynamics instructor in New York into that two-day program just to add value. But then I would recommend to the people in the audience that they attend the seminar. Uh, I didn't pay much attention to it. I didn't know anything about the Mind Dynamics company. I didn't know the leadership of it. I didn't know anything. And I certainly didn't do it for money. I did it because when those salespeople went through that training, my life got easier and better. And I was being paid on a percentage of the increase in their results. So uh, what I didn't realize is that over uh, about a year, I enrolled over 400 people in the Mind Dynamics training. Uh, and again, selfishly, because it was good for me. And uh, one day I got a phone call from the founder of Mind Dynamics, uh, a Brit living, living in America named Alexander Everett. I didn't even know his name. He had to introduce himself, uh, which is something we laughed about a lot later. <laughs> and uh, he uh, thanked me for enrolling all those people in the training. And then he asked me if I'd be willing to come out and meet with him at his expense. So I, I took my first 
flight where I got to travel first class. I remember that. And uh, uh, I met Alexander, and 10 days later, I was president of Mind Dynamics. So that was a turning point in my life. I took about a 70% pay cut uh, and uh, uh, went to run this crazy company that offered these high-impact experiences to adults. And, uh, uh, and a fantastic uh, four years, I mentioned in our uh, private conversation that I spent two years kind of straightening out the U.S. business and, uh, uh, and then uh, went through the trainer training finally, which gave me a deeper understanding of the work. And also the last two years with Mind Dynamics, I set up five foreign subsidiaries, including Australia, by the way. Uh, we had an uh, office and training center in Sydney. So, um, and I got my feet wet in the training business. I learned something about it as a business, but also yeah. it, I fell in love with it, with what it did for people. Uh, it, it, it went beyond being selfish, beyond just being good for me. I started to yeah. see how it lights people up to realize that they're responsible for their own life, that no matter what happens, you can't change what happens, but you can change your response to it. And uh, that changed my life and it's changed the lives of over a million people. So uh, that's, that's been my life work. Uh, I eventually yeah. did, I did leave Mind Dynamics. There was an ownership change and that didn't work for me. So I started my own company called LifeSpring. I sold that, uh, created a company called Arc International in Asia, primarily. And uh, so uh, that's been my journey. Isn't that amazing from you having a friend that had, had his own experience and, and you're resisting the, the actual program and not necessarily wanting to go, that that actual program was the thing that actually changed your life. Um, and yeah. leading up to, you know, when you're saying in your, when you were 19, 20 and 21 and so forth, when you had those heart attacks, what was it that was causing the things that you can reflect on now that led to those you know, health issues and even like as you're saying in terms of the issues with your marriage and so forth, um, were there things that, that you can now reflect on that you can see that were causing that prior to you attending the, the event and making the changes in your life? Uh, well, Pat, uh, you know, if you make me cry on the podcast, uh, you don't get any extra points, but here goes. Uh, look, I grew up in poverty. I grew up in a highly abusive home. Uh, I, uh, yeah, you know, it was kind of a tough beginning. And a big part of it, which shows up actually in, in my book, uh, Living an Extraordinary Life, it was constant criticism and uh, negativity. So on top of the physical abuse was the emotional, mental abuse. Uh, you might even say spiritual abuse. And uh, so one of the things about taking responsibility is one part of it is you've got to own your successes. You know, you really need to celebrate what you do well. And also, but you own the things that didn't work and that you had a, a, a part to play in it even if it's mysterious, even if you can't identify how you contributed to it. Uh, look, I have uh, three uh, siblings, younger, two younger brothers, younger sister, and uh, uh, we all went to a family training as adults. 
uh, probably in our early 40s. And one of the things I learned there was that the four of us handled that crazy environment in totally different ways. Now, uh, my sister, unfortunately, was the good little girl of the four. And uh, uh, unfortunately, my sister has been in and out of alcoholism for her entire life. I've paid for rehab uh, five times, Uns unsuccessfully, I'm sorry to say. I've raised two of her three children because of her, uh, in effect, disability. And un she's literally unable to parent. Um, and uh, my brother Jimmy was the clown of the family. I mean, he... he, he Today, he can, if he's in the room, you're laughing. He's just fun. You know, it's just like, it's well-developed and uh, very real for him. Uh, but that's how, you know, there's a story about my mother beating him one time, and he's making her laugh while she's beating him. Uh, and it's a true story. And uh, my brother Sam was known as Silent Sam. And his way of dealing with the chaos was to, to disappear. Uh, we lived, uh, and our, uh, my siblings and I were not close as children. We were just trying to survive. But as adults, we became closer, and particularly me and Sam. We lived together in my mid-20s. Uh, and one of the things he said to me over a beer, everything happens in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, over a beer, by the way. It's a little cultural moment there for you. Uh, and we're we're sharing a beer, and he said, uh, you know, he said, when we were growing up, uh, he said, you created respect. I respect you, and I, I did then, and I still do. And I said, well, what's that based in? And he said, you never told mom where I was. I always knew his hiding places, but I, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't tell on him. And I thought, isn't that an interesting thing to come up at, I don't know, age 25 or something like that in a conversation? Uh, I, uh, my way of handling it was to fight. So I have the physical scars and the uh, emotional and mental scars from that experience, from regular beatings, from regular criticism, you know, all of that stuff. And look, when I was 17 years old, uh, my father died when I was just 15, a week after my 15th birthday. And uh, um, my mother and my siblings moved back to the sub southern part of America first to save money and secondly for some family support. I did not move with them. Uh, I left home at 15 and I lived with a, a, another family and I had started a career in radio. So at 17 years old, I worked pretty much full time in radio, even though going to school, secondary school. I worked nights and weekends and I created the, the with, with some help from some well-meaning adults, the highest rated radio show in the state of Wisconsin. And I made more money at, at 17 than my father ever made in his life. Uh, I, in a graduating class of 300 students, I was chosen as most likely to succeed. I was chosen as commencement speaker representing the class. I graduated sixth out of 300 and I called my mother, you know, living uh, at a distance to brag a little. And I told her that I was number six out of 300. And the first words out of her mouth were, why weren't you number one? And uh, I think that kind of explains my background. 
So that when I went into that mind dynamics training, I had a lot of stuff to work through, uh, beliefs about myself that were very dysfunctional. You know that, and uh, look, the the chest pain thing or the heart attacks. Ultimately, nobody knew what caused them, but I mean the the malady was known. It's a breakage in the nerve tissue on the surface of the heart. It's like your electrical wiring is kind of short in it. And uh, uh, it is true, I've learned, that if I'm under stress, that that short in the system is amplified. But it's there all yeah. the time, uh, you know, and it, and it can't be fixed. It most, most often is caused by a severe childhood illness, uh, which I didn't have. I had a severe case of the measles. They theorized maybe that that did it, that that when you're young, that nerve tissue on your heart is susceptible to severe illness. And uh, so anyway, that's how it happened. I went to the Mind and Enemies class. They said you can create your own health. You can send signals to any part of your body and fix it. So I thought, well, I ought to do that. <laughs> so uh, I did it, and, and uh, it's been a blessing. And I, I'll confess, Pat, it, the chest pain came back one time, and that was a, a second divorce uh, years later, a very painful divorce. And, uh, but when it happened, I realized, well, you know, i got to go back to the routine, 20-minute uh, meditation in the morning and 20 minutes at night, and it went away in 10 days. So uh, I realized I, I can take responsibility for my entire life, including my health. Yourself being the fighter, um, essentially, I guess, the leader of your siblings, um, you know, when you're younger, do you think that is what has actually helped you? Um, and even though that's something that we may see as in terms of a disadvantage or, um, you know, in terms of your upbringing and the things that you had to go through, but do you think that's actually helped you to be, you know, the person that you are, you know, doing the amazing things that you've done over the years? Um, that's actually contributed to you know one of your actual powers now. Uh, my sense of you know I've worked directly with a lot of people, Pat, and and you know and I'm also looking at myself, of course, and my life, uh, my journey. And one of the things that I notice is that people with a rough beginning roughly go in one of two directions. One is drugs, alcohol, suicide walling yourself off from people, becoming like a hermit. That's one of the possibilities for people that have been abused. And of course, our, uh, our population of our prisons, the studies are, are thorough, that uh, a very high majority of uh, repeat offenders, people that go back to prison many times, uh, were abused as children, many of them, uh, in 90 percentile. Uh, and so that, that's a choice I have. But the other choice is uh, that I'll show you. I'll show you I'm not that person you said I was. And I operated from that for many, many years. I became hugely successful. Uh, I basically retired at age 46. I moved to a 76-acre estate in Aspen, Colorado, the most expensive city in America, or village in America, I guess. Uh, all of that was based on, I'll show you. I'll show you I'm not the loser you said I was. And uh, 
So you can be really motivated strongly by a rough beginning if you take responsibility for it. If you realize, I can, it's the, what happened happened. The response is up to me. Now, I've done a lot of healing work, therapy, other trainings, other than the ones that we do, uh, reading, listening to uh, audio, watching videos, all of these things that, especially ones that deal with, with uh, childhood abuse, frankly. And uh, uh, so I've done some work on it. What happened for me in Aspen was I started waking up every, almost every day thinking, um, you know, I'm in a... a 14,500 square foot home, uh, you know, just stunningly beautiful mountain views, all of that. Uh, I'm, I've got a, like an unlimited budget. And I'm thinking as I wake up, there's something I'm supposed to be doing that I'm not doing. There's something missing. God is speaking to me in, in a way. And, uh, and it wouldn't go, and I wanted it to go away. You know, I, I really wanted, I, I look, I, I've got everything that everybody wants here. And uh, I had remarried. We had uh, two birth children, two adopted special needs kids, abused kids, by the way. And I, oh, and I married a woman who had been abused, who left home at 14, just a year earlier than I did. Uh, so, I mean, we were... <laughs> A lot of, I look back on it, we were doing a lot of things to heal the childhood pain. And, yeah. uh, but that, that message was, I'm, God is not done with me yet. And uh, a friend of mine, close friend, uh, the late John Denver, the singer and, and uh, uh, environmental activist, he, we traveled together for six months. We had a lot of late night conversations. And I remember clearly where we were, I can describe the hotel room, when he said to me that uh, you think you're a big deal, but you're, God is not done with you yet. There's, there's more ahead for you. So, wow. but the, independent of that, I was getting these morning, morning messages. And uh, so I, what I've learned in the executive mentoring work that I'm doing is that many of my clients have a similar story, not the background that I had, but they have a story of wanting not only for business success, but also for joy and fulfillment, satisfaction to be present in their life. And that's what I got out of that Aspen stay, which is for me priceless. So my, the combination of some inner work and just a declaration that I'm going to be looking for fun. I'm going to be looking for joy. I'm going to look for fulfillment and I'm not going to do anything that takes away from that. So that's all part of my journey. Something similar to myself with my upbringing, it wasn't necessarily the the smoothest or, or the nicest, but I think that's actually helped me be the person I am today. Um, you know, having parents that um, you know separated twice, uh, finally you know divorced when I was thirteen, a, a brother that had a medical um, you know accident at the age of two when I was only five, so he was left with brain damage and cerebral palsy and. At the time, you look at the, all, the, all these things as, you know, that you're going through in life that uh, are really difficult as in, um, you know, I guess whether you want to call them, um, I guess you don't see them as blessings at the time. But if I look at it now, it, it, it's actually helped me in many ways overcome a lot of challenges that I've had later in life. But I've also had the situation where it's 
made it I, – I've made it worse for myself because I've dwelled on on what's happened in the past and, and the negativity and and pretty much had the mindset that, well, this is all I've – this is what I've been uh, brought up with and this is what I know and and this is just what, you know, I have to accept. But, but then when I found once I started doing the inner healing and the personal development that I could control two things, which is my – my effort and, and my attitude, um, and it's, it was just just a shift. Um, and I realized that in times when I'm feeling overwhelmed, that I'm getting back into that old pattern. But I have the ability to change that. Um, and like you're saying, taking personal responsibility, not not um, you know, uh, not neglecting the things that have happened in the past, accepting them for what they are, but then having ownership of, of what you can do moving forward. If you take that word responsibility and split it, it's response ability. Yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, it's a, it's a mindset, but it's also a skill. And yeah. people will say to me, well, you wrote this book really about personal responsibility or you teach it. Uh, so you must be the world's most responsible human being. And the truth is I'm not. Uh, I, I will fall into being a victim. I mean, the culture is a victim culture uh, from everything I can see. And uh, so it's, not, it's very easy to be a victim. Uh, I don't know about in Australia, but I, uh, here in America on the local television news, I, I call it, we always have Ken and Barbie, you know, those those dolls, <laughs> yeah. you know, two attractive people, one male, one female. And then uh, they, they call it, they throw the camera to the street to interview somebody about some recent thing going on in the news. All right. Yeah. Uh, I understand that. Uh, I make it a point of never watching the local news after this, this, uh, the, the final straw for me, the straw that broke that particular camel's back was that one day they were interviewing somebody on the street about something bad that had happened in our community. And uh, then they came back to the studio and Barbie said to Ken, well, Ken, who's to blame for this? Well, you know, blame takes blame as a victim statement right away. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I realized that that their entire show was about being a victim, about who did yeah. what to who. And I don't want to play in that game because it's too tempting for me. Uh, my friend John Denver and I uh, had a lot of shared experiences, but one of them was we went through divorce together. And in both cases, our wives left us for another man. And we were big time victims. Uh, we, Pat, we were put on the front page of the local newspaper in Aspen, Colorado, uh, wow. accused of sexually molesting our daughters. Now, it was a lie, you know, to get leverage in the divorce. Three yeah. weeks later, the, the judge threw it out of court, fined the attorneys involved, sanctioned them and uh, limited their ability to practice law. Uh, that was not in the newspaper. So we went from the front page to no page. And there's still probably thousands of people in Aspen, Colorado that believe that I abused my daughters. 
So we have reason to feel like a victim, right? And there are a lot of other stories like that. So uh, John came off the road, some concert tour, and we did a favorite thing that we do, which is we go down Valley to a city called Glenwood Springs. And it's called that because there's hot springs. Uh, you know, the, the volcanic uh, structure was such that yeah. this, this hot steam came bubbling up through the rocks, heated this big pool, but it also, there was a vapor cave. So you could go in the cave, cook for an hour or so, come out, take a shower, maybe have lunch, uh, right in the, the little, you know, the business built around the cave, and then go yeah. back and cook for a while and then have a massage. You could spend all day there. And mm -hmm. we had a long talk about the divorce thing. And the first part of it was victim stories. <laughs> you know, he had his victim story and I had mine. And our wives were best friends then and they are today. Uh, so they were plotting together to do it to us, right? right? So a really valid victim story. And at some moment, and I don't know which one of us did it first, we just started laughing. Because we both knew that being a victim is disempowering. It takes mm. your power away. Because you're externalizing the most important part of you, which is your power to choose. And you're saying that somebody else is choosing my experience of life, and I'm allowing it. And uh, we made a bunch of decisions that day. One of them was that uh, we would be rigorously honest with each other, like radical honesty, like, like really. And the yeah. uh, uh, second one was that uh, God would not have presented this to us if there was not some kind of learning that we that we need to plug into, yeah. And uh, and we made a decision to live a life of no regrets, and and and, and I've mostly lived up to all of that. And John, until he died, you know, the, his his life post that divorce was the happiest time of his life. You know, happier than when he was the biggest star in the world. Yeah, uh, because. He took responsibility for all of that and, and uh, lived a life of no regrets, uh, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, But I, I always remember that we, that little turning point was just deciding to own it all, that to look at our role in the divorce, to yeah. look at the choices we had made and didn't make, and, mm. uh, and resolve it that our life would be better from that point on, not, not worse, yeah. not the same even. It seems like that's what draws everyone together, as they say, like, you know, trauma bonding. So that that's what attaches a lot of people. And unfortunately, that's, that's what yeah, sells and gets people's attention. Um, you know, I, I remember a, a time of recent where we're coming home from a, a family trip and my phone, had, the battery died. And, and normally I'd listen to a podcast or some sort of uh, educational, motivational, um, you know, uh, video or, uh, you know, audio book or whatever it may be. Um, and it died, so I had to listen to the radio. And I remember sitting in the traffic for maybe half an hour listening to the radio and after it having such a headache because of what, like everything that was reported on it. And I was thinking, this is just like mm. nothing but, but just problems. It's depressing. Yeah, it is. Um, and I was like, I'm going to make sure that I either have a battery pack or, or a charger with me all the time so I don't have to do that again. Um, 
but you know, I'm you know sorry that you had to you know go through that experience. And unfortunately, a lot of um, parents use you know children as you know as ways to you know as you said gain leverage in in circumstances, but they'll go to the depths of um, using things that are not necessarily true or creating things, and, and that's where I see court as not a, a place of peace and where you're trying to show the best of someone else and come to an amicable you know, solution that's best for everyone. It's pretty much a place for war. Um, and, and that's where, you know, my, from my experience with the family courts and it's something that I would always encourage everyone to avoid if possible because it's, it's, it's not a nice place and, and, and a place that if can be avoided, highly recommended. Um, so with you know what you're you know living an extraordinary life and the your you know principles for success what are some of the things that people can can do to to start making that change to take ownership and responsibility of their life and move to you know a new direction of the life that they actually desire you know i i uh i'm a little bit famous for being uh anti small steps and anti-positive thinking. Uh, positive being, I am very interested in and fostering. But part of that is that I'm a little reluctant to give advice, but I'll invite some people, perhaps in your listening audience, to consider a few questions. And the first one is, uh, are you working toward becoming clear on your purpose for being alive? Uh, one of our graduates, a wonderful guy from India named Arjun Sen, very famous uh, marketing consultant, a big, I mean, big company marketing consultant. Arjun says that, you know, there are now 8 billion people on the planet, but you are one of one. You are unique. And part of our job in this journey called life is to discover why God put us here. What is it about that uniqueness that needs to be celebrated, owned, and expressed into the world? So that's my first question for people always is, what's your purpose? And by the way, whatever you decide your purpose is, be prepared for it to change or for your awareness of your true purpose to change over the years. I mean, I had a purpose called I'll never be poor again, and it brought me wealth that I never dreamed of, but it did not bring me joy and satisfaction. Then I had the purpose of, I'm a rich guy in Aspen and I'm, I have obligations. <laughs> that one was kind of fun. You know, skiing 80 days a year and traveling the world. And, uh, six months traveling with John Denver, all those things uh, were part of, I'm a rich guy in Aspen and I need to contribute. So it was more positive than I'll never be poor again, but <laughs> it was progress. Today, my purpose is grounded in contribution. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, but asking yourself that question, why am I here? What is it unique about me that needs to be expressed into the world? Developed first and then expressed into the world. Uh, the second question is, what do I need to do to complete my past, to put it behind me, to not allow any blame, shame, regret, guilt, or even past success, get in the way of me really recognizing who I am and, and what's possible for me. So 
carrying your past around like that's like having a 50 kilogram rock in a backpack and trying to run a, a, a sprint. It's not, it's not going to happen. You've got to let it go. You've got to get complete about it. And even when you think you've kind of compartmentalized it, put it aside, almost always that's not true. It's there, like a piece of undigested food that's rotting away in you. And then you wonder, why do I keep repeating patterns that don't work? Well, there's an answer to that. That pattern is probably grounded in a belief that happened for you way earlier, quite often before you're eight years old. And uh, uh, the third thing is that if you've done some work on completing your past, or, or getting your purpose and then completing your past, you've created a space where you can choose your future and live into it instead of being a reaction to your past or having a bunch of reasons and stories and excuses why your life is not the way that you want it to be. So my suggestion is to, and, and it's a simple term, it's gaining greater awareness. And another way to say that is wake up, develop a higher state of noticing the feedback in what you're thinking and feeling, the feedback from other people, the feedback from circumstances, you know, what, is, what are the patterns that work for you? Because we always develop them. And what are the ones that don't? And once you're aware of them, only then can you take responsibility and start communicating about them or getting perhaps the help you need. You know, for some of us, uh, you know, most of us are not mentally ill, but we're what I call normally neurotic. You know, if you go into the outback in Australia, you will discover, and I really get into it, you'll discover a group of people that are not neurotic. <laughs> but uh, most of us are in the developed world. And, and uh, uh, you need to kind of take responsibility for that, too. If you actually need a therapist, then be careful about the one you choose, but they can save your life. Uh, but for most of us, we're normally neurotic. So going to a, a high-impact uh, experiential growth seminar, reading uh, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, my favorite book, reading my book, Living an Extraordinary Life, reading uh, uh, anything that one of your friends says, boy, I got a lot of value from this. I think that's one of the things I like about what you're doing, Pat, with uh, Resilient Dads, is you've got a network going where you can share things like that like the book that really touched you. It might not touch someone else, but give them that opportunity. So, you know, share what you got from it. Maybe then they'll read it with an open mind and an open heart. Uh, I think uh, there are things online today that are really incredible. Uh, do you know the name Brene Brown? Is that a familiar name to you? You know, she talks a lot on vulnerability, particularly for men. And uh, I haven't checked recently, but a, maybe a year ago, I watched this vid famous video that she did for the TED Talks on vulnerability. And uh, it's Brene, B-R-E-N-E, -E, Brown. And uh, so you can go on YouTube and find it. It's only 17 minutes long, I think. 55 million views as of a year ago. I'll bet it's higher today. And it hasn't, that's not because 55 million people watched it. I know, because I watched it at least five times. 
This it's the most amazing talk in 17 minutes, and every human being should watch it. Uh, and I, you know, I'm kind of in the business of selling ideas and selling books, so I'm. It's 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 difficult for me to recommend someone else's work, but uh, I think I think you can find answers out there to what has been blocking you. They're out there, and particularly with the internet. And just start different conversation, like within uh, Resilient Dads. You know, there's the opportunity to have a conversation within what you're doing that's more authentic, that is more vulnerable, that where we talk about our hurt and our pain, and we talk about our possibilities, and we talk about these very special little people that we're blessed to have in our lives and to have uh, responsibility to, not so much responsibility for, but responsibility to, in terms of how we serve as a model for them. Uh, so there, I think there's some things that, that the average person can do free. There's some things that cost some money. Uh, my book is 20 US dollars, not, not the biggest investment anybody ever made, but a lot of people tell me it changed their life. So. I feel good, feel good about that. I feel like I'm contributing. Um, and, and a gift that I'm going to offer to your viewers and lift, listeners is uh, to go to my main website, which is therobertwhite.com, therobertwhite.com. And uh, they can sign up for my weekly easing. So I send out a little piece of timeless wisdom and plus my comments on it all designed to be read in one minute or less. It's called An Extraordinary Minute. And they'll also get a 28-page uh, PDF of what I've learned about success uh, and the principles of success. And it's all free. But it gets me into relationship with you. And I like that. You know, you can, and you can hit reply anytime. And I read every response and respond to most of them. Uh, but it sets up a relationship. You know, we may or may not be doing something together in the future, but at least that's my way of contributing now. And then we'll see where it leads. Yeah. And that's, that's a great um, way to start by asking yourself those, those questions, you know, in terms of what's, what's your purpose? Uh, you know, what are you all about? And, and like you said, that, that purpose will change as, as it could possibly change as time goes on. And, and then what are the things, like you said, that you need to clear from the past to be able to have that clean slate to be able to move forward and not carry that, you know, big rock or boulder that, that, uh, along because it, yeah. it can be quite, uh, you know, uncomfortable. You know, I've had back pain before in the past and, and having that constantly unnecessarily is, uh, is, is definitely um, not worth it and, um, you know, Understanding the patterns, patterns for me, pattern recognition and understanding the things that that I, that I do has been a great um, you know skill that I've been able to slowly build on, um, which has been great. Which I think just having those that awareness of just those three questions is is a great start. Um, so thanks for sharing that, and we'll, we'll definitely I'll even put the link in for Brene Brown's um, you know TEDx talk uh, for everyone to to listen to and. Um, you know, um, thank you for sharing your, your, your um, you know, where everyone can connect with you and, and your, and your book. Definitely. Uh, for me, reading has been one of the greatest, uh, gifts of recent, um, because there's so much knowledge and wisdom that's already been passed on, um, through books that, 
uh, you know, I wish I'd started earlier, but uh, there's no you know, better time uh, than, uh, than you know, sort of now. Um, so with you know, your book, Living an Extraordinary Life, where can people purchase that? Is it direct from your website or is there somewhere else? Well, it's certainly can- on, on Amazon, both in uh, paperback, hardcover and Kindle. So you can get the electronic version. Uh, if you order from my website, the good news is you'll get a signed copy. The bad news is the mailing cost uh, to Australia is pretty high. <laughs> but uh, uh, Amazon, I think, uh, are they active in Australia? Yeah, yeah. So that's probably, that's probably the best way. And particularly if you use Kindle, it's uh, cheaper and, and it's instant. So... Uh, uh, it's a good way to get the content so, yeah. and write me, let me know my, my uh, uh, address, Robert at extraordinary people.com is in the book, in the back of the book. Uh, let me know your reaction to it. If you have any questions yeah. or comments, uh, I'm eager to have feedback. Yeah. And, and is there any other platforms that if ever, anyone wants to connect you that um, they can reach out to you? Uh, well, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, like anybody in business today. So if, if you search Robert White and Extraordinary, uh, you'll probably find me. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook, but that's mostly personal stuff with my family. But uh, I, I do regularly post business stuff on Facebook, on LinkedIn. So uh, that's, a, that's a place, also a place to connect. Excellent. Um, so before we go to some final thoughts, I mean, everyone, uh, your, your help and support, um, spreading the word of resilient dad is much appreciated. So, you know, please subscribe, like, and share, um, you know, our content and we hope that you've gained value. Um, so, so Rob, as we close out, um, is there any, some final thoughts that you can give to the audience? Well, somewhat of a script for me is to say, uh, have that conversation that you've been avoiding with somebody that you care about. Read that book. Uh, listen to that audio tape or view that video. Uh, get a coach. Get a therapist if you think you're really blocked about something. But uh, look, the world's changing pretty fast. If you don't change, you're going to be left behind uh, financially. Absolutely. But more importantly, culturally. Uh, you know, that uh, the... I mean, what attracted me to you, Pat, was our mutual friend. Uh, but I think I think that that title, resilient dad, really grabs me. I would uh, I like that word, resilient. I have a lot of faults personally, but I think one of my strengths is I'm fairly resilient, and it's something that I see that is a skill set. Certainly, it's an attitude. But then it's also a skill set about picking yourself up, no matter what happens to you, taking responsibility for it, jumping out into the fray. Makes life a lot more fun, a lot more interesting, and fulfills God's purpose in putting us here on the planet. Yeah. So, so Robert, I want to thank you, uh, from, you know, from myself and everyone uh, for sharing your, your thoughts and your wisdom with us today. Uh, you know, it's, it's much appreciated and, you know, having this platform to be able to share you know, other people's 
knowledge and experiences, uh, you know, really helps um, everyone uh, to be able to, to see that what's possible. Um, so, you know, I th I thank you very much for your time. And um, You're very welcome. I enjoyed being with you and I wish you much success. Appreciate it. And so everyone, you know, I think the biggest thing for me uh, taking out of today is taking personal responsibility. And we just remember that we are all humans and that we do make mistakes and that's perfectly normal uh, and acceptable to make mistakes. But it's how we respond and uh, what we do to, to an event that, that really counts. So just remember, uh, you know, you're stronger than you think you are and stay resilient. Hey everyone. I really appreciate you listening to today's show. It means a lot to me that you're part of the journey and mission to help fathers be the best dads possible. I'd really appreciate it if you'd review the show and share it with someone you genuinely believe could benefit from this content. Please visit resilientdad.com for more content and resources as we build this community for dads everywhere.